0: check out my new book, Coping Courageously, a heart-centered guide for navigating a loved one's illness without losing yourself. It's appropriate for you as a clinician, for your patients, and for anyone you know who has a seriously ill loved one or an aging parent. Check it out and tell a friend. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast, where we help physicians and other clinicians master the art of integrative symptom management so they can wholeheartedly care for themselves as they expertly care for their patients. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast. I'm Dr. Delia Karamonti. And this week, we're going to talk more about the real value of mental fitness and positive intelligence. Now, last week, we met with Bill Carmody, who's the chief coaching officer for the company Positive Intelligence. And all that we're going to talk about last week and today is based on the work of Shirzad Shamin, who created this idea of positive intelligence. I use this work myself to help get through tough times and to improve my happiness and my ability to deal with difficult situations. And that's why I want to share it with you. So last time, we were a little more theoretical. This time, we're going to talk about the specifics of what is positive intelligence and how does it help with mental fitness. Mental fitness is the ability to respond to stress with a positive or neutral mindset rather than a negative one. We have stresses all the time, right? And we can't not have stress. We can't affect what happens to us, but what we can do is affect how we respond. So let me tell you a story. I was the division chief of integrative palliative medicine at a hospital in Baltimore, and I was leading a team of palliative care physicians, nurse practitioners, of integrative palliative social worker, a mind-body specialist. We got a small grant so that we could have a part-time acupuncturist, and we were doing some Seriously amazing work helping people with serious illness reduce their suffering so they could live the best possible life. It was really spectacular work. It helped people, it helped the oncologists because we helped their patients not only feel better, but sometimes addressing them from this integrative palliative perspective encouraged them to better follow the oncologist direction. We helped. Our team function in, and it was really in a beautiful way. We helped support the referring physicians, oncologists, and others. We had patients both in the outpatient and inpatient setting. It was really spectacular. And then for multiple complicated reasons, including a global pandemic, the hospital canceled the program. And... The truth is, I was devastated. I was devastated. I loved this work so much. I loved the other clinicians on our team. I loved the dynamic that we had. I really thought this was important work. I loved the impact that we had on patients and their families. We impacted people's lives in a really profound way. And it was really hard when the hospital canceled the program. And And I, I left the hospital after that. So it was hard. But luckily, I had been building my mental fitness with this positive intelligence approach before then. And so I wasn't squashed by it. Here's what I did. I gave myself one week to just feel the feels. I cried. I, you know, (laughs) I railed and raged a little bit. How could they do this? So they understand how important this work is. But I put a limit on it. I gave myself one week. I knew that it was it was heavy enough that I really needed to feel it, but I gave myself a week. And then I used what I had learned from the positive intelligence framework to find gifts in this tough experience. So not in a toxic positivity way, but really like the actual gifts. And I continue to see them and I continue to appreciate them. For example, I now work remotely and I was able to work from Italy this summer. Obviously, if I were working full time in a hospital, I wouldn't have been able to do that. And it was a really fantastic experience that allowed me to spend more time with my family. I'm learning tons of new skills. I have a podcast now. I'm getting to focus on providing medical education and supporting physicians and other clinicians, which I have always loved. And I had had kind of taken a detour from that to do full time clinical practice. So. There's a ton of gifts in being connected again to helping physicians and clinicians, which which really was a big part of what I did before. I wrote a book for Families Facing Serious Illness, which will be out soon. I wouldn't have been able to do any of those things. So here's the thing. Am I happy that my program got canceled? I don't know. You know, no, on the one hand, no, because it was amazing. On the other hand, tons of gifts have come from that, and I am a hundred percent engaged in noticing and appreciating the value of those gifts. But I really think it's only because I learned the skills that prevented me from sinking into self-pity and bitterness and negativity and like how could they do that that allowed me to really be happy in general, you know, not that I'm happy they canceled the program and sure I have some feelings about that. But the truth is big picture, there's so much good that has come, so many gifts that have come from that experience that I'm really happy. So what is this stuff? Like, what is the framework that worked? The, the framework of positive intelligence is that we each have 10 saboteurs. And those are like the gremlins or negative thought creators that we have in our mind. We all have them. The first one is the judge. We all have the judge, all of us. And the judge is the voice in our head that judges us, it judges other people, and it judges circumstances. So it could say, oh, you're not good enough, that's why they canceled the program, or that's judging myself. It could judge other people, they're terrible, how come they didn't appreciate how great the program was? Or it could judge the circumstance, this is so terrible that my program was canceled, oh, you know, now I will never be happy again, all that work was for nothing, etc. So we all have the judge, the judges ourselves, It judges other people, It judges circumstances. But then there are nine accomplice saboteurs. So those are other negative thought creators in our mind, thought gremlins, but they're different for each of us. And I'll read them to you. And as you hear them, think about if you get a vibe of which ones might be yours. They are the controller, the hyperachiever, the avoider, the pleaser, the victim, the restless, the hyper-rational, the hyper-vigilant, and the stickler. So we all have some of each of them for sure, but in this framework, the goal is to pick the top two that impact your way in the world. So for me, my top two are the pleaser and the avoider the pleaser and the avoider. So some people are super controlling, want to be in charge of everything. They may have a strong controller saboteur. Some people feel restless, like they do one thing and then, ah, that's not good enough. Let me try another thing. Ah, that's boring now. Let me try another thing. They have a strong restless saboteur. Some people have a strong stickler saboteur. So they may say, oh, that's not exactly right. And you didn't do that right. And you should do this other thing right. And my thing wasn't right. I have to do it again. It has to be perfect all the time. That's the stickler saboteur. So we all have all of them, but think about what you think your top two are. I'll read them quickly one more time. The controller, the hyperachiever, the avoider, the pleaser, the victim, the restless, the hyperrational, the hypervigilant, and the stickler. So here's the deal with the saboteurs. Two things that are important to know. One is they are helpful to us for a second. Think of it like a hand, your hand on the hot stove. That burning is helpful for a second just to tell you to move away, to alert you to the heat on that stove. That's what that pain is for. But if you keep your hand on the hot stove, you will burn the heck out of your hand. If you didn't feel the pain, that's not good either because you might just leave your hand there and you could get burned, which would be terrible. So these saboteurs are helpful for a second to just give us information, but then we want to take our hand off of the hot stove and not get stuck in that negative saboteur energy. Now there's a quiz on the Positive Intelligence website, which I'll, link, I'll put in the show notes and also was in last week's show notes, that is so interesting. If you just go take it, it's free. You will find out what your two top saboteurs are. And it's just a good place to start to get a sense of where are the places for you to do the most work. So the second thing that's important to know about the saboteurs is that they all are just good qualities that we have taken way too far. So if you're a pleaser like me, no one is saying, don't be an empathetic kind of person. Certainly not. That the pleaser saboteur has at its core a good quality, which is empathy. But taken too far, someone with a strong pleaser saboteur can give and give and give and give and give, never tell other people what their needs are and then feel resentful as an example. Someone who has a strong hyperachiever saboteur, the core, the kernel of being an achiever, doing well, trying to, to build your skill set is great. But the person with a strong hyperachiever saboteur can feel like nothing is ever good enough. So they get. An A minus, and why didn't they get an A? Or they got a promotion, but why didn't they get more money or a better title? So they're always looking for more and not taking time to appreciate how far they've come and what they have and how great they are. People who have a strong hyper rational saboteur, there's nothing wrong with being rational. Being a rational person is a great quality, but taken so far, that they can't tap into other people's emotions can impair their relationships. So the goal is not to eliminate every component of the saboteur, but to take that kernel and use it in a wise way. The positive intelligence framework calls it a sage way. Use that quality in a sage way instead of as a saboteur. And when we don't do that, when we let ourselves be run by these saboteurs, it really can mess up our relationships, our productivity, our happiness, our, our sense of joyfulness in the world. My other top saboteur is the avoider saboteur. So the good side of the avoider is being able to be content no matter what's going on, kind of prioritizing feeling good in the moment. So whereas the controller might have difficulty feeling content unless they're controlling everything, someone with a strong avoider saboteur tends to be a little more like, well, whatever, it's okay. It's all right if things aren't exactly perfect. It's all right if, if I'm not in control, it's okay. So that's a, a good quality, but the saboteur part of the avoider won't do things that don't feel good. So that's why I'm behind on email all the time. Oh my gosh, I got so behind. I don't feel like doing that. And so I'll come up with a reason why I should be doing something else instead. But really what I'm doing is avoiding an unpleasant task because it will reduce my well-being in the moment. And my avoider saboteur is telling me, you don't need to do that right now. It won't feel good. Let's go do some art instead. That will feel better. So step one of this process is to understand your top saboteurs so that you see when it's happening. So now I can, I can talk back to that avoider saboteur. And when my, in my head, I hear like, Oh, let's not do that now. Let's go do some art instead. I can acknowledge, Oh, that's my avoider saboteur telling me that I don't need to do this task that I really should be doing. I use my tools, which we'll talk about in a second to s- stop. Nope. I'm not going to listen to that saboteur. Let me go do this task and then I'll reward myself with doing some art after that. So step one is to understand your top saboteurs so that you can see them. That you can do with the saboteur quiz that you'll find in the show notes. Step number two is to learn self-command, meaning once you see your saboteur in action, to call it out and say, oh, that's just my saboteur. And then to do a centering exercise that brings you back to you so that the saboteurs lose some of their power. So you might do a breathing exercise, you might do a tactile centering exercise, you might do some physical exercise, running up and down the stairs. You might do a sensation exercise where you pay attention to what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you feel. But the idea is to break that control that the saboteur has over you so that you can decide what you want to do next rather than being ruled by that saboteur. So, for example, if you have a strong controller saboteur and you're getting into a conflict with someone who says, I want to do it this way, and you say, no, that's the wrong way to do it. You should do it that way. And and the person says, no, that's my project and I want to do it this way. And you're getting agitated and saying, no, that's dumb. That's the wrong way to do it. You should do it this way. You can, once you realize if you have a strong controller saboteur, you can notice in your head, oh wow, I am being hijacked here by my controller saboteur. It's starting to impair my relationship with this person. So let me notice it. Oh, that's the strong controller saboteur. Let me take five deep breaths here and go to the bathroom, throw some water on my face, get command of how I want to behave take control away from that controller saboteur and go back and finish that conversation from a different space. So step one is to understand your top saboteur. Step two is to learn the self-command. And then step three is to adopt a sage or wiser perspective that everything that happens can be turned into a gift or opportunity. And again, this is not toxic positivity, like, yay, everything's perfect. It's not that at all. This is more an intentional decision that everything, including Difficult things can be turned into a gift or opportunity. Not that it spontaneously is just great, but it can be turned over time into a gift or an opportunity. And even the most horrible, awful things that we would never seek out can sometimes have a gift that comes from them. One example is. The creation of Mothers Against Drunk Driving, MAD. That was started by a mother who lost a child to a drunk driver. So in no way would that mother say, I'm glad that happened, or this was a good thing that 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 happened. Of course not. But have other lives been saved because of this Mothers Against Drunk Driving campaign? Yes, they have. They've been saved. So even though the event was horrific, Was there a gift that came from that event because of how that mother decided to turn her pain into a campaign to reduce drunk driving? Yes. Okay, so that's the sage perspective, that everything can be turned into a gift or an opportunity. And then there are five sage powers that we can use to do that. And those powers are empathy, exploration, innovation, navigation, and activation. Different Difficult circumstances have different approaches. So for me, my pleaser, the one who wants other people to feel good about me and that I did a good thing, felt like I had failed. Those people who canceled that program were not pleased with me, and that was challenging. So I acknowledged the pleaser and I walked in my backyard in a circle as a meditation exercise to gather self-command. The sage powers that I used for myself, I used empathy for myself that the program was canceled. Like that really hurt my feelings. It really made me sad that I couldn't continue that work that I had started there. So empathy for myself. Next I explored new ways to use my talents and gifts. So that clinical practice was one way, but with that, gone, it made space for other talents and gifts. So I innovated. I started a podcast. I started the Integrative Palliative Institute. I figured out how to write a book. I used the navigation power to maintain important connections with people that I cared about, even at that institution, and then also to figure out this new way. And activate is the super active one, like do something. Sometimes that might mean like leave the marriage, quit the job, fire somebody. So this is not a passive process. For me, activate, what did I do? I joined a business coaching program so I could learn to create something meaningful that wasn't this clinical practice. I accepted a remote position in medical education for a large publisher so that I could still pay my bills, but have space to grow this integrative palliative world that I want to grow. I pursued more training in this positive intelligence approach because I found it so powerful for myself so that I could help physicians and other clinicians to do the same, to deal with difficult things in a way that is authentic and real and meaningful and powerful, but makes space for the challenging parts and also the ways that gifts can come from the challenging parts. So the steps of this process, one, figure out your top two saboteurs. Two, catch your saboteurs. Three, use your self-command to weaken the saboteurs and then approach your problem using these sage powers. So your homework, I suggest you read the book Positive Intelligence. I have no connection to this book at all. I just think it is a really helpful starting point. And then if you want to have a guide to deepen your practice and understanding in the work, reach out to me because this is a service that I offer to physicians and other clinical providers. And then your other homework is to ponder this idea that everything can be turned into a gift and an opportunity. And just open your eyes to your own life this week and look for at least one place where something challenging happened that you can see how it could be turned into a gift and opportunity. It could be if you want something that happened in the past, if you wanna reprocess it, or it could be when something challenging happens in your week, just making space for that idea This could be turned into a gift and opportunity. I wonder how. See if you get any ideas from that. This movement is really important to me, this integrative palliative approach, this sage approach to doctoring and providing clinical practice. This is really what's driving me now. This idea of a different way of being in clinical practice or being a physician or being a clinical provider so that. We use all the tools that we have to help patients get well, but also we use all the tools that we have so that we can be well, because we deserve that. And thanks for being on this journey with me. I really appreciate it. It means the world to me. I'll see you next Thursday. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by the Integrative Palliative Institute. Visit our website, integrativepalliative.com. There you can access physician and clinician training, well-being coaching, free downloads and other cool stuff. And feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and share your favorite episode with a friend.